Recording from the Grind Coffee Project in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's your football fix. From their caffeinated state of mind, this is the Grind Podcast with Brady Quinn and Jeff Darlington. Well, Brady Quinn. <laughs> Stop going by my old, for, like, a whole name. Now I just do it to annoy you. It's awkward. Uh, I'm Jeff Darlington, Anthony Biasi here to my right, our esteemed producer. Biasi! Biasi! How was your weekend, Biasi? Weekend was good. How was I, yours? I know one person in this group who had a great weekend. I had a fantastic weekend. I feel like it was like a life-changing experience for you. You had, you had some deep, like it was fun, you were with your college boys, but there was some deep stuff as well that, that, that occurred. Not really. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that aspect. But every year it's a great trip. I go to the Dry Tortugas where we, uh, where we fish. It's located about 70 miles west of Key West, and it's a, a very, it's a solid fishing ground, but... We basically sleep on the boat out there. It's my most. It's the. Oh, it's the one time of year, Brady, where I I actually get in touch with my manhood. You know, like every day you do. You know, you do you work out <laughs> twice a day because I lift weights. Right. All of a sudden. Okay. Right. That's more than I do. I, I you know I pull some weeds here and there. But what kind of fish do you catch down there? Grouper, um, a lot of yellowtail. So so we do a lot of grouper fishing, and that's sometimes we'll go in like 240 feet of water to try to get the big dogs. Wow. Um, wind up with you know the amberjack and all that. But this year we also uh, fished off the back of. A shrimp boat um, to get uh, some tuna. Where do you get a shrimp boat from? You find the shrimp boats out there. There's a line of them that are shrimping, and you literally go out there and you, sh- you because they basically throw all this trash in the water, which is like the the leftover from the the shrimp itself. It's not chum. Is that considered chum? Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. And um, so so then you got all these yellowtail snapper that were also back there, which is actually pretty lucky. But the cool part is is that you got all these barracudas and these sharks circling below your boat. And you have to race the yellowtail. When you hook up with the yellowtail, you have to race it up. Probably had six or seven yellowtail that came up where the barracuda just snatched them right out of the water. Why didn't you document this so we could actually see this or we could put it on Twitter or Facebook? I do have uh, some of it. Uh, and actually, speaking of documenting it, the, the craziest thing that happened this particular trip, when we were out there and we sleep on the boat harbored up to this sort of island called the Dry Tortugas, Fort Jefferson. Um, it's a very small island, very remote. Um, there's really nothing to it. The only thing we go up there to do is eat food and use the restroom. What kind of the, what, what do the facilities look like there? It's actually uh, like basically compost facilities. So, so what, you, no, you, you, don't you flush shit in a hole? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's true. And then we go out and we sleep on the boat. And we come back in to have breakfast, use the facility, you know, make our own breakfast, whatever. And, and uh, as we were coming in, though, uh, there was all this commotion. Uh, nine, or 18 uh, Cuban migrants were actually, uh, it's 109 miles from Cuba, and this is considered U.S. soil. And uh, the policy is, there's a wet foot, dry foot policy where yeah. if they touch land, if, they, if a Cuban actually steps foot onto American soil, they are up for residency within a year to be United States citizens. Wow. Uh, it's, it's something, it goes way back to the Cold War. Um, and, and it continues to remain in effect, but apparently this has spiked because Cubans are worried because uh, President Obama is, is going over there in, quote-unquote, improving relations. Yeah. Well, if, if relations get improved so much that Obama takes that act away, that dry foot, wet foot policy, um, the problem becomes that they it might be facing political asylum over there, looking for political asylum still, but no longer will they be able to retreat to America even though they're still in very bad conditions. Wow. So... These guys pull up, and it's 18 of them, and, th- I mean, they're ecstatic. And they come over in this boat. It's this chug, this man-made boat that uh, I have pictures on my Instagram account if you want to go look. It's basically like a lawnmower engine. I mean, it's unbelievable when you see what these guys did to get over here, and it makes you appreciate, like you talk about, like, life-changing stuff. I mean, it just makes you appreciate what we have as Americans yeah. and what people are willing to do to come here. Uh, one of the men didn't make it. There were 19, started with 19. Yeah, did you, were you able to communicate with them? I mean, the guy, one of the guys on our trip is, uh, his name is, is Macho. It's the Orpeza family. And he's, um, I think he's like 85 now. And he comes on this trip. It's <laughs> unbelievable. He sits in the back with his hand line and just pulls up these monster groupers. But he is, um, he's Cuban American and he, uh, he was able to speak to them. Um, so you got the whole, j- I mean, how, how long did it take them to get to two, the dry two, two, two nights. So it was two and a half days. Um, and uh, how how they lose a guy was or the sea conditions that were off at some point. No, in fact, that's a lot of the reason why they came over is because it was such smooth conditions. In fact, my my friend Greg, who's also Cuban American, he was telling us that very likely, well, there might be some Cubans that come over 
because the conditions were so good. Wow. But we don't really understand exactly what happened. But we, um, I guess one of the guys, they got close enough to land where he, I don't know if he had this as a plan or if he just had anxiety and freaked out, but he jumped off the boat when they got close enough to land. Um, perhaps because of you could consider fear that if the Coast Guard caught them at that point when they're that close to land, they'd have to go to uh, back to Cuba or another a third country and wouldn't make it. But if that guy jumps off and they get caught and he can swim to shore, then he's home free. He's home free. So real quick, just so listeners understand. So actually the dry Tortugas yes. is the first point at which this the Cubans would try it's to get to. It's the closest point to, to Cuba. A lot of times they'll come in on Key people, West. Pe- yeah, people think Key West. Right. But it sounds like the dry Tortugas is, is a much closer route. But the dry Tortugas is so small that if you miss it, well, and, and what do you do once you get there? Like, so they get to the dry tortugas. So they wait for someone to rescue them? There's rangers. There's, there's usually like two rangers on this little fort area. And um, basically the rangers have to come down and then notify the Coast Guard. And the Coast Guard comes out. One year we were out there. This was the closest we ever came. This was where we actually saw them, like the, the celebration. One year we came and they had a better, already begun processing. And they were in their scrubs that they give them. I mean, they come in and they're soaked in gasoline. Like... Um, in fact, I actually have a cool souvenir. They drink like Fanta soda and they gave us one of the sodas that they had <laughs> got over here with. But, uh, again, you should, I, you should keep that as like a reminder. Yeah, I will for sure. I'm going to frame one of the, pi- I have this incredible picture of a guy's like gasoline soaked sneaker right in front of the boat. He took him off right when he hit land. They couldn't have been, I mean, we couldn't communicate with them, but you could tell how excited they were to, um, see Americans to be like, they were like just staring at us, like watching us, like excited, like, uh, just to interact yeah you know? it, it was pretty incredible like i know immigration is such a uh political hot topic right now yeah and it's it's this is a different form of immigration also controversial in some sense but just to see these guys i mean these are guys aren't being smuggled over here these yeah. are guys who put in i can't even imagine what it took to build that boat in cuba yeah uh you know in disguise too like you can't if anybody catches you you're screwed i yeah. mean especially yeah, uh, with everything over there. Right. So pretty incredible trip. Got a lot of fish out of it. Uh, Wait, did you bring any back for us? Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, we're going to have a nice fish fry at some point, Biasi. You into that, bud? I'm down. Do you like fish? I do not eat fish. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll come to the party. It's unbelievable, Dude, look, man. if we fry it, it'll taste like chicken. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, I'll give it or, a try. Or really good flaky fish. How come you don't eat sh- I don't know. Fish? I just never got into eating it. I don't know. We got not a big fan. <laughs> this goes back I, to the I, I, like, I love Biasi. I like uh, fry galamad. That's how I eat that. You are a simple man. Yeah, you yeah, are steak I and potatoes. I do like my steak. Yes. You don't like wa- red wine? I had some red wine yesterday. I wasn't a fan. You weren't a fan? <laughs> no. You don't really like craft beer. It'll grow on you. One day I feel like What kind of beer like do you like? I'm not a beer drinker. <laughs> <laughs> I do, actually, I do like Mexican beer. I like Dos Equis <laughs> and Corona crap beer, but it's okay. It's not crap beer. It's good. I yeah. don't mind it. It's got, a, it's, it's, it's got a time and a place. I know. Well, Jeff gives me crap because I don't, I don't drink all like. I just want you to be uh, more cultured. What kind of music do you like? <laughs> You're such a dick. I like BPM, Beats Per Minute. That's my uh, serious uh, was that, like, is that, is that like EDM? All, yeah, similar? it's all like the electric dance uh, You music. see the, uh, the old drummer for, uh, what's the group's name? Megadeth? 51 years uh-huh. old. He died of a heart attack on stage. He's, he's with a different group now, but unbelievable. Now, God bless him and rest in peace. But is that that surprising? I mean, these guys live pretty hard lives. Yeah, no, and that style of music, I mean, it's intense. Um, I, I know, I mean, 51 sounds young, but, I mean, those guys put it all out there. I and mean, that, is, that is some intense rock, if you even want to call it that. By the way, we're now on Facebook Live for those listening to the podcast uh, post-production. Uh, we even have custom mugs now. I can't reach mine. Well, you don't have coffee in it because you don't drink coffee. <laughs> we're going to have Snapple for you next week. Do you week, drink though. coffee, Biasi? I do not drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Why don't you ask me questions that I do like? We don't know what you like at this right. point. All right, let, let's get into the buzz. <laughs> anyway, let's, yeah, let's get into some football. And uh, Brady Quinn, these NBA playoffs are wild, and not necessarily because the games are close, but because, once again, we've got another lopsided victory, this time in favor of the Thunder. And we're looking at a 133-105 to 105 win. And it wasn't even as close as that. Not even as close as that. Uh, in fact, Steph Curry, rarely do we see him in the fourth quarter on the uh, sidelines. Now, I didn't even get to see this game because I was in the dry Tortugas, Brady. Uh, you tell me. Explain to me. Why wasn't this one close at all? Well, you know, Rush mentioned it uh, in a previous podcast. And I think what we're seeing right now 
is Billy Donovan's strategy winning out. And that is they have greater size. And what they're doing with that greater size is they're making sure they get every loose ball, rebound, get up in the face of a lot of these knockdown shooters. And then they're really pushing the tempo of the game. So when you watch this game, it's the most entertaining thing. I mean, the West is so much more fun to watch than the East right now. But it's in part because Oklahoma City is pushing the pace of the game so much so that after like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson hits a layup or a three or something like that, now they've got to race back to get back on defense. And then they're trying to race back down. What happens is your legs get tired. The first thing to go when you start missing a shot when you're a shooter is your legs. So OKC at this point in time is utilizing their size advantage on the offensive end, their size advantage on the defensive end, and then really the transition play in between, making sure it's up-tempo and fast pace to wear down the Golden State Warriors shooters. And it's starting to play out because, you know, Steph didn't have an over overly good yeah. shooting night. Clay took it to the rack a few, few times, so his shooting percentage probably looks better than it actually was in reality if you look at his shot chart. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, we're starting to see Billy Donovan's strategy kind of winning out. And, and you'd have to think that there's a good chance, based on how last night's game went in Oklahoma City, that another game in Oklahoma City, with the way the Thunder are playing, Golden State could be down 3-1 very easily. We'll expound on this after the buzz, but I'm also interested after hearing you say that. That reminds me of what I watched at the University of Florida with Billy Ball. Just high-paced, fast-paced, and it's interesting. You can compare it almost to Chip Kelly. Maybe in the NBA it's actually going to work, Brady. Yeah, yeah. I think for this particular reason it, it will most likely end up working. But uh, moving forward, you know, I think we're going to talk about the NFL moving the Pro Bowl to Orlando. Is this a last-ditch effort to you to kind of bring more of an audience or make it – I don't know, more feasible for the family players, just for the event in general? I don't have a very popular opinion when it comes to uh, the Pro Bowl. My opinion is I don't care what people think about it. I care what the players think about it. And the players truly enjoy going to Hawaii for what is essentially a vacation. I still think you have it after the season uh, when the Super Bowl participants can actually participate and I think at that point too you're not so close to the end of the season where guys bodies are just beat up and they don't feel like taking the flight but I can tell you I've experienced the Pro Bowl a few times out there it's an incredible experience out in Hawaii it's a great vacation for these guys I know the NFL constantly wants to brand everything they want everything to be about the bottom line the money item the popularity and the brand of the league look yes in that capacity the, the Pro Bowl needs to be fixed but you know what the priority should be above the Pro Bowl? The preseason. Before we start worrying about whether the Pro Bowl should be in Orlando or Hawaii, leave it in Hawaii, let the players enjoy it, fix the preseason if you really want to figure out the brand of the NFL. The Pro Bowl is just a postseason all-star game. If nobody cares about it, so be it, Brady. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think viewership's always going to be low for all-star games. It always has been. I think right. the only thing that I can remember watching as a kid or being a huge fan of was the dunk contest from the NBA, the home run derby, back when steroids was in baseball and guys were hitting like 600 foot shots and outside of that there's really been no nothing to entice me to watch the nfl pro bowl but everyone keeps talking about the skills challenge I like that enjoy be, watching skills competitions the skills competitions are fun i think it's a bit more entertaining maybe that's the way they they replace the pro bowl because here's the issue from a player standpoint you're a depreciating asset the second you step on the field in the NFL. You don't want to continue to take any more hits, especially not from the elite of the elite. So regardless of whether you have it after the season or during the season or at any point in time, it's not going to matter because these players don't want to put themselves at risk. There's not the same financial reward on the back end of it, whether you win or whether you play in it. So just getting into it is, is the key. And that's why I think you do some sort of cool award show. Maybe you do a skills competition as well. Leave it at that and let's not try to make the Pro Bowl something that it's not it's because it's not going to be a competitive game no it's not going to be a competitive game but it would be fun to see for instance uh aaron Rodgers or someone that lighten it up and uh, with showing how accurate he really is with things. the only thing where i ever think it would be cool and it would make sense was if you were some way able to incentivize whichever right. team right yeah. and if you had oh, a, 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 thing? no no hear me out okay. if you were able to incentivize whatever team ended up winning whether it's afc or nfc that Super Bowl will then be played at that home stadium of like that year, which you're gonna say it's never gonna happen because they sell the rights to the other stadium and all that stuff. Right. But that'd be the only way you'd make it because that's what the other professional sports do, that's right? They give, they give they the give the advantage. They have home field advantage, so that's the only way you can entice it, and that'll never happen. Well, Brady, Jalen Ramsey of the Jacksonville Jaguars getting a second opinion on that torn meniscus, and I know what Jaguars fans are thinking. We went through it with Dante Fowler Jr. last year with the torn knee. Now we're going through it again. However, General Manager Dave Caldwell has reassured the Jacksonville community through Peter King's Monday morning quarterback saying that 
it is not believed to be a serious injury. That being said, Brady, what do you think here? Is this uh, cause for concern, or we just think that uh, this maybe is? It's it's certainly not less. It certainly seems less serious at this point than than Dante Fowler. Yeah, I think Jalen Ramsey will be back at some point this season. What you miss out on as a rookie when you're not able to physically be out there in the field is you can learn all you want to in the classroom, but whether or not you can apply it to the field and then mix into whatever scheme that they're running on that particular play is the key. So him being able to handle that, him being able to handle uh, a lot of the speed and the things that happen over the course of your game early on, it helps to be there for practice. He will not be there as, as a portion of that. So his rookie season's not lost. Mm-hmm. He could definitely come back um, at some point. But the problem is they're, they're going to want to kind of work him in. He may not be the guy to be starting right out the gate. Sure. Uh, you, don't, you, you don't have to worry about – you know him obviously. Um, you know utilize. You're hurting some other part of his body because he's trying to protect uh, his knee at this point. That's the other concern going into this. Right. And it's interesting too that the three young stars, studs for that defense, Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey, and Dante Fowler Jr. All the major storylines going into the season will be about the health of their knees. And it kind of makes, I guess, sense what Adam Gase did with the Miami Dolphins, right? Where he didn't even really put them onto the field. The Jacksonville Jaguars didn't do that either for rookie minicamp. They were the other team. And I guess that goes to show you too that. Inevitably, you're still going to deal, you know, you can get the, the percentage down of the, the risk, but inevitably you're still going to deal with injuries in the NFL. It's just, it's just part of it. It's not if, but when. That's what they always tell you as a player. Any other buzz items, Brady, you want to get into, or you think we're... I don't know. We could talk about Deflake, but we'll talk about that later on, because I think that actually ties into something else. Sure. Um, but let's I want Let's go to Piazzi then and see what his buzz You want my yeah, buzz what, question? Yeah, what do you got? So I was reading this pretty funny story. I wanted to get your opinion on it. So there was a particular Mets pitcher that was in the news recently, and he apparently has a second family. Now, hear me out here. So he has a wife and some kids, but he also has some kids with a mistress. Now, no one really knew about this story because he's in court right now because the mistress is suing him over child support. So the court document papers say anonymous versus anonymous as the court hearing. However, someone got wind of the story because he's listed as an attorney. So it says Bartolo Colon, who's the Mets pitcher, is one of the, he represented himself and listed himself as an attorney in the documents. That's how the story came out. <laughs> That couldn't have been the proper way to go with that, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to keep my name out of it in any way possible if I was in that situation. Uh, but, golly. I mean. Like, how stupid are you? Like, what? <laughs> you represent yourself? Yeah, I, I think. That, I, where was that? In, like, Shawshank Redemption. There's some other movie where, like, that, like, went and ended up representing himself for, for some reason. But uh, none of that makes any sense. Yeah, it's shocking to me. Congratulations. No. We were talking about the, the Western. Uh, the Western Conference Finals right now. And obviously, for anyone who watched the game, they saw the groin kick by Draymond Green into Steven Adams. And it ended up being called a flagrant one right. foul in the game, uh, which was a little bit weird because it took a while to figure this out because like, there was some talk of maybe he would get kicked out of the game. Um, but because supposedly Adams fouled Draymond Green on that play, Draymond Green just gets done kicking a guy in the groin, and then he goes and shoots two free throws. And then for the flagrant one, Adams goes and shoots two free throws, and then they end up getting the ball. Um, but now, since it'll be reviewed at this point in time, there is a potential that um, Draymond Green could be suspended one game for this. And the reason why I bring this up is because Dwayne Wade was, was suspended one game for a low blow on Ramon Sessions. Is, is that correct? Correct. How you yep. pronounce his name? Yep. Um, for something that was very similar, right. Sessions came up. It. It was an intentional foul. He kind of flipped up his leg, very similar to Draymond Green. And I think for those who have been following the the series, it's interesting because there was some comments and there was a quote before the game from Draymond Green about, you know, getting in Steven Adams' head because Steven Adams said he's kind of tired of Draymond Green's act. And Draymond Green said, I'm not trying to get in his head. I'm trying to get into KD's and, and, um, you know, uh, Westbrook's head. He said, I'm not worried about Steven Adams. And the game was kind of chippy. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a clip of that up on our uh, Grind Podcast uh, Twitter feed, just so those of you who haven't seen it can see it, uh, as well as for you, because I think you were probably right. still coming back from the I dry was. tour too, goes. But, but that's what's interesting about this, Brady, is that I had a different perspective. First I saw, after the media firestorm that occurred as a result of this groin shot, first I had a uh, chance to see the still image, and obviously it's, you know, it's incredible photography, um, and, and obviously in, in a still shot, it looks, I think, far more egregious than it does in the video. Now, you've explained the context to say that the game was chippy, but when I watched the video, 
Like, honestly, like, it looks like he's doing that typical flail to make it look like he's trying to get a shot off so he can go to the line and shoot two. Yeah. That was my perspective. But I guess from playing basketball all my life and all that, like, I would understand if the ball was still in his hands, right? But it got knocked out. So there really wasn't that counterweight. So it doesn't make sense for his leg to flail up like that. We do have uh, some audio. Let's listen to Draymond Green's explanation of the situation. I follow through on a shot. Like, I try and kick somebody in the men's section. I'm sure he want to have kids one day. I'm not trying to end that on the basketball court. That don't make sense, you know. So I brought the ball over the top this way. He fouled me. My leg went up. I mean, I can't. I don't think I know my court not strong enough to stop my leg halfway from wherever it was going. Like I didn't honestly, I didn't know I hit him. No, I don't think I'll get suspended because it's. I don't know how anyone could possibly say you know I did that on purpose. Well, actually, there's a lot of people who <laughs> found a way to say that you did it on purpose, Draymond Green. But look, in some capacity, I, I can't really take anything that he says at face value. Of course, he's going to say that. That's just the way it's going to be. But that being said, again, I watched the video. I didn't think it was as egregious as you did. Um, Biasi, do you have the clip of LeBron and the friendly fire? Can you put that up on the Twitter feed as well? The which LeBron It was the clip when uh, Tristan Thompson hit him. Oh, yeah, I'll find that. I'll put that up. Yeah, so anyways, and so this is probably something else you didn't see that happened this weekend. Um, So LeBron James was getting into a little bit of an altercation. I want to say – I don't know if it was with Biombo or it was something else, someone else in the Toronto Raptors. And uh, basically what happened was, as they all kind of were in a group, Tristan Thompson kind of flailed his arm backwards. And I think it looked like, I don't know if it was maybe Carroll, maybe, maybe it was Carroll, wasn't Biombo, But one of them kind of had made a gesture up with her arm. Well, LeBron made it look like he got hit in the face or hit in mm-hmm, the chin right. by one of the Toronto Raptors players. And in, in fact, they ended up getting a technical. But when you go back and look at the image, what you see is it's actually Tristan Thompson's arm and elbow flailing back and hitting him. And it's a very, very dramatic mm-hmm. hit into the face which, and drop back and end up falling about 15 feet afterwards, which was getting a, a lot of press as well. And, and usually the, the NBA has counteracted this by having a, a fine for flopping, which I would assume LeBron would get fined for it. Um, only, only because, one, it was friendly fire. It wasn't mm-hmm. even the opposing team. And I'm sure the NBA and everyone who's seen it is going to see that. And then on two, it just seemed like very dramatic for him to, fl- you know. Such a LeBron thing to do. I love LeBron. That, that's neither here nor there. I, I guess what my, my bigger concern, LeBron, I should say. My, my bigger concern is, um, do you think the NBA is at risk of its integrity right now, right? Like the integrity of the game. If you've got guys flopping a bunch, this has become an issue. You've got players now apparently hitting each other in the groin more often than not. Do you feel like if they don't suspend Draymond Green or if they don't find LeBron James, or that, that sort of thing doesn't happen. Do you feel like the integrity of the NBA is a little bit in question? I don't. Uh, the Draymond Green thing, those incidents are going to happen, and unfortunately it is a very gray area. I mean, we're not talking about Latrell Sprewell, you know. <laughs> choking someone choking out. Choking someone out. Like, I, I would say that it's, it's much more difficult to, to, to draw the line on it. And from a flopping standpoint, I think they've done a good job. Like, I think that the fine policy has – had some impact on the game. But the the problem is it's always reactive. You know, like if you're going to institute replay, have a centralized system, have someone in the headset, hey, by the way, don't call a technical in Toronto. Unless there was something said that we weren't able to hear, right? Like a deep audio, you know, kind of situation. Like yeah, exactly. Because, because otherwise you're basically, not that it mattered in the game, the Toronto Raptors blew them out. But, you know, have the ability to be able to like look at the call and say, hey, by the way, dude, he got hit by his own player. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't read into this act that, that occurred on the court or don't read into what had happened. Like, it, th- this is what we think. Like, it looks really blatant from all the views we're seeing and able to slow it down and all that and, and, and have some help or have someone out there who's able to, I guess, have that centralized system to help, to help them out with a lot of these decisions they have to make on the court in real time. Let me spin it back to you, though, because I don't, I don't think that it, the integrity of the NBA is in question, but you're posing the question, so apparently you well, might. Yeah, I mean, I think it calls that into question, but I guess in the end, what it makes me think is, is like anything else, you know, there, there's no publicity that's bad publicity, right? I mean, we look at the deflate gate. That's still going on with Tom Brady right now with everything. <laughs> was that just a nude streaker? That's a first on the grind uh, That is a podcast. first. That is a first. I wish I would have got a picture. I would have posted it on the, at, at, at the grind. You <laughs> <laughs> just have nude streakers running through. Thank God that didn't show that up on Facebook. That was unbelievable. Did it? Maybe no, that was on I, Facebook. I, I hope it wasn't. 
for the, for the sake of the audience, that was incredible. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Like I, I just I didn't came know back what from, you're talking a, about. from a fishing trip with 15 guys on boats. I think I saw some crazy stuff, and that that trumped it. That was not, I've never seen anything Completely like that. Completely unexpected. <laughs> that was incredible. Anyways, I don't wow, even know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was awesome. <laughs> I don't know if it was. It, it could have been better if it was. Maybe Did you it, see the whole thing? The, no, I didn't see the whole thing. I got full frontal. Thank Wait, God came, I wasn't at the same angle. There? He came from over there. Oh, I, I thought he came out of the room over there. No, I got no. full frontal. <laughs> he came running through. With, he was completely naked. I looked up and I just saw butt on. cheeks. <laughs> you, just saw, you just saw ass? I yeah. saw ass on the way out. That's what I saw. <laughs> I saw we're, we're, not even gonna say, we're not even going to say your name. We won't even say the name. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it out. <laughs> I, saw, I saw total... Like, fl- speaking of flopping, <laughs> I saw some, he, he, there should be a fine policy for that flopping. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I guess that calls into question one's integrity, which is really, <laughs> which is really what we're talking about the, in, in this, this whole deal. But go, getting back to flustered? it, a little bit, man, I'm like sweating. Like, I'm so, like, it's so awkward, the awkwardness of the situation. Anyways, um, he is sweating. I'm but but no, like, like you look at the Deflategate scenario with Tom Brady. It's obviously they're they're right. Um, they've appealed to have all the judges now be able to review this case in court, but it, it's still ongoing. And the fact of the matter is, when you have these sorts of things happen, it gets people talking about it one way or another, and it just brings more attention to the sport. So I, I think, you know, will they suspend Draymond Green? I hope not, just for the the sake of the series and the, and the competitiveness, because they had Draymond Green last game. It didn't matter. They still got blew out by 20-some points, and it, it really was worse than that at some points throughout mm-hmm. the game. So I, I, I don't know. I think, I think, think you've got to be weary of, of this sort of thing starting to happen, though, these sorts of cheap shots and things like that take place, because guys can really get injured, and God forbid something happens where something happens like that and the guy can't have kids you know that's what Draymond Green mentioned he may, he may not be intentionally doing it but who knows I man. mean uh, yeah I think we start treating it a little bit too seriously when we talk about his future of having kids I'll say this there is no chance that we can accuse that man of flopping in that situation like you could take a little tiny tap right just a little tap and that'll put it, it, it down doesn't take much it doesn't take much so God bless uh, his future and yeah hopefully what, yeah man. hopefully Steven Adams will still be able to have kids yeah so, Brady, let's play a little game right now because, uh, as you know, I was on a boat for the past few days with no cell signal, no ability to really stay connected, as you always want me to do. Um, I want you to get me caught up on this Baylor situation. Yeah, well, at this point in time, you know, there's been um, – it, it's pretty alarming. There, there's w- been what's a- going on? What's well, the deal st- – start from the bottom because I think I'm probably not alone in this regard uh in the sense that a lot of people don't know what's going on with uh Baylor yeah and it's hard to even keep track of the amount of allegations that have been placed upon Baylor football players um but essentially there's been uh, a bunch of accounts of what seems to be domestic violence or assault that have occurred on Baylor's campus and and that Art Briles the head coach of Baylor was aware of or and, and made aware of at some point but essentially the university hasn't done anything with them in fact you know one of I don't know if you want to know if you want to call it plaintiffs but um one of the people involved had kind of said like she didn't even feel like uh, she could go anywhere for help. She didn't feel like she could even. In- what are we talking about exactly here? Harassment charges? What's the? No, it, it's it's more assault, things of that nature, oh, wow. rape. I mean, again, Whoa. these are all allegations, um, and we don't necessarily know because it it seems like maybe some things got swept under the rugs, or the right protocols weren't put into place where. Um, you know, Art Bryles wasn't able to alert the right authorities the way they should have done, or the investigation wasn't uh, handled the way it should have been by uh, the the police force there and, and, and uh, on Baylor's campus and all that and in Waco. So it just seems like there's a lot of dirty things going on that were kind of swept under the rug. And at this point in time, there's a lot of people calling now to inque- you know to, to question what exactly occurred. Mm-hmm. You know, this it, first became reported by the outside outside the lines report for ESPN. And now they're trying to kind of figure out, they're trying to put all the pieces together to figure out what can be done. Um, and if, if Art Bryles, you know, knew about it, if, if he was, um, you know, part of, part of, you know, some people kind of trying to look the other way or, or cover it up, um, it's, it's just a, it's a very, very when difficult. What was the Outside the Lines report? When did it first air? Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a month ago now. So, so I, I mean, this is the type of But story. this has been stemming back to, I want to say when Bryles first got there, like 2008. And, and, and so part of the issue is how unsuccessful Baylor was before he got there, mm-hmm. how successful they've been since he's no gotten doubt. there. And it, they're, they're, they're kind of saying, look, our browser has meant a ton to this university. 
And all of a sudden, if he's going to be one to take the fall for a bunch of actions of players in the team because he didn't handle it in the proper way, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying, okay, well, what's going to happen to the Baylor football program now? Like, how much money is going to be lost on that? I mean, you've got a new stadium built there that's a state-of-the-art facility. So there's a lot of things right now that are being called into question. And again, there are allegations at this point in time. There's a lot of damning evidence, and there's a lot of damning reports that continue to keep coming out. So I don't want to sit there and pile this all on him at this point in time until we know furthermore and have more facts. But at this point in time, it does not look good for our brows and Baylor. Where are we at, Brady, in this uh, situation? Is the NCAA currently investigating? Yeah, I, I think all parties involved are investigating okay. at this point in time. And not, not only the University of Baylor, supposedly, but I think the NCAA as well. And like you said, the, 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 the rise that, the, that Baylor has seen under our brows is what probably makes this most alarming. I mean, big time. Of course, I, the allocations themselves, but I'm just saying that it's going to get even more attention because of that. Yeah, and, and again, and it's unfortunate because I, I can only imagine with with a daughter on the way, um, oh my, my daughter's due in August, I can only imagine her being in a situation where she would be helpless to be able to go to the authorities if there was an incident that happened and, and be able to actually have them go through the proper protocols and procedures to ensure that justice was served. And right. it doesn't seem the, like that was the case. It's one of the scariest aspects of the college, collegiate athletics lifestyle. I mean, that's that to me... Um, you, you want you want the you want the people to be more powerful than the team. Yeah, we're going to talk about another topic too, and this is kind of in relation to the Oakland Raiders and Robert Kraft kind of yeah. giving his vote of confidence for them moving to Las Vegas. And it seems like whenever Robert Kraft gets behind something, that all of a sudden it, it, all of a sudden the wheels start turning, and then it becomes a reality. It's no different than the St. Louis Rams moving to L.A. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's some owners that kind of spoke out about it. I, I want to say Robert Kraft was one of the first in that particular case. Jerry Jones yeah. as well. Uh, he, but be, he has supported, by the way, the move as well, Jerry Jones. Exactly. So, so they're getting the right owners behind it. And Biasi, this kind of relates to a story that just came out about the Oakland Athletics that you brought to my attention. Yeah, which is like apparently like the worst stadium in baseball. Like they've been having like the, – Or the worst stadium in, in, in the NFL. Right. They've been having like plumbing issues, I think, for Awful. years. But I guess, I guess there was a leak in one of the, pl- the plumbing pipes that started to flood the dugout where the Yankees, when the Yankees and A's were playing, and it was flooding the – the Yankees uh, dugout, and I guess there was like it was just over poop and just uh, poop like everywhere, crap all over the place. So, so, anyways, <laughs> this this would give I think the Oakland Raiders a little bit more of an ability to say, look, man, we we, we don't even play in a facility that allows us to be able to walk through uh, or you know have the proper plumbing and sewage and all that. They called the shit poop, by the way. Wanted to point that out. <laughs> but so it, it looks it looks kind of likely that maybe after this year the Oakland Raiders will be moving to Las Vegas. And I can't imagine that there will be too many Oakland Raiders players that are upset about it. No. Let's think about the state income tax savings. Um, not that there's – I mean, there's obviously a lot to do in Las Vegas, so it's, it's fun and all that kind of stuff. Not saying there's not a lot of things to do in Oakland. But uh, I think you'd have, you know, maybe an energized fan base. and People are really excited about it, and it's a great destination. So, I, like, maybe they won't have the, the same type of fan base right. right there in Las Vegas as some of these other venues have. But I do think it's such, such an easy destination – if people are shelling out 300 bucks a ticket, what's another Southwest $100 ticket flight to go into Las Vegas, go up and stay in a hotel, go watch the game? Exactly. I mean, you're going to have a great time. Well, and there's a couple of stigmas that have, have been carried through in question about Las Vegas uh, as an NFL site, one of which is obviously the stigma about the fact that it's a headquarters of gambling. But um, it seems that the NFL's, I mean, it seems like they're getting past that. I mean, it seems like that this is getting enough groundswell to where they don't seem concerned about that anymore. The other one, of course, is that just because we all know of Las Vegas and it seems like a, a big city to us um, by, by tourism standards, it would be one of the lesser market teams. Uh, it is a smaller market for sure. But like you said, I mean, I think that they would have a national um, fan base. I think that they would. I mean, be one of the more recognizable teams in the NFL, to be honest with you. I was just going to say, is the concern over the players themselves gambling no. or being approached by people about fixing games? No, I don't think it's it's not about players. It's about just a so, mere association. But it's you can gamble the, anywhere online. So. Not, not to get on a tangent, well, but, but the, the Preakness was uh, this past weekend, and $94 million right. were gambled in circulation. It was a televised event. Players attend it all the time. Right. Uh, you know, everyone throws down bets on all, all that sort of thing. Why are we so uptight about gambling in the NFL and acting like it doesn't exist? I don't know. I mean, what's the point? I, I mean, honestly, I mean, and I say that not out of ignorance, but I just don't understand it that much. Like the Tony Romo situation when he went to, he couldn't even have the fantasy football conference in Las Vegas. 
that's what's interesting to me is that we're coming off of a situation where uh, I guess if it's in a casino, that that's the gray area. But there are NFL policies that players, you know, and, and NFL employees on work trips are not to go into casinos. I kind of get the feeling that maybe at this point they're just trying to delay in, in figuring out the best way that they can capitalize off of it. Um, that, that, that's the only thing that would make sense to me from a business standpoint. Gambling, you mean? How yeah, because, because there's still so much more money to be made. And I would feel that if the NFL positioned themselves with whatever books it is or anything else, the Nevada Gaming Commission, I mean, I'm sure people would be able to let them in and, and take a small piece of it, allowing them to kind of open up the floodgates and allow people just to you know, be able to gamble. Isn't, also. though, integrity of the game important there, though? I mean, aren't we talking about – I mean, I know it happens already, but when you start to advocate it, you no longer have the ability to also govern it? I oh, mean, so you're talking about, like, for example, because, you know, if a injuries, player – so, but Well, uh, yeah, but, but – yeah, and that's 100%. Like that's, that's, that's where the area comes in where, okay, if guys are intentionally injuring other players to improve their win prob- probability, that's, that's where it becomes dirty and it should be handled in a very – Or injury know. information leading up to a game. Yeah, and that getting leaked out. Could be, but look, people are so tight-lipped about that. Um, I mean, and you're going to find that out anyways because there, there's certain times in which right. it has to be put out there. Uh, but but it, it does call into question a, a couple things, right, because – all of a sudden now, if, if, you, if you open up the floodgates there and you maybe have players betting on themselves in games, which I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong against, right? It would be more that if, if players were, for example, trying to manipulate games in order for them to lose in right. order to take a big payout. But if that's the case, I think, again, you make the punishment if you figure that out, a ban. So it deters them from wanting to do that. But it also makes me think, okay, so a player is trying to profit off uh, his ability to impact a game uh, in a negative way, right? How's that any different than the Philadelphia 76ers tanking their season to get the number one draft pick in the NBA draft? How's that any different from the Indianapolis Colts taking that, tanking that season maybe to get the number one pick in Andrew Luck? Well, I mean, I would think, I think that people would say that that also jeopardizes the integrity of the game. But it, but it happens. So, right, but like, how so we look the that? other way because, oh, well, they're going to tank for this year because they're going to get Andrew Luck and they're going to be better in the future. Right, but how do you govern that? You can govern gambling. I understand that aspect. Can of you, it. though? They're trying. Okay, but but so if that's like if we're gonna be so take so many precautions about gambling in in, in in every instance as far as taking away from integrity of the game, we should also look at other aspects of the mm. game, how it's played, and everything else, and our drafting process and all that to ensure that the integrity then that they're trying to up, uphold is upheld in every aspect, not just one and not the right. other. Um, okay, this is the last thing I think I want to touch on in more in depth. Now I thought it was a pretty interesting article actually. It was in SI Now. Um, it was written by Melissa Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And she talked to, she basically put out a 22 week regular season. Now, she doesn't mean 22 games. She still means 16 games. But basically, this is how a, a schedule would work. Um, and, and I'll tell you her kind of points, and I'll give you kind of the synopsis of the story after I say. So, for example, you'd start off with having game one and game two, then a bye. You'd have, for example, game three and game four. Maybe your game four is in London, right? Because we're, we're obviously ramping up the amount of games that are played overseas now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, you'd have a bye, a long travel and everything else. Then you play game five, game six, another bye. Game seven, eight, nine, another bye. Game 10, 11, now you've got a break. Maybe this is where you implement a skills competition, an award show and all mm-hmm. that. Um, now, the only problem with that, which I'll, I'll just stop right now and kind of throw up a red flag, was so you're 11 games in the season. You're already having a skills competition who knows, maybe, maybe that fifth, sixth guy that's in the skills competition is having a good season at this point in time. But when it's nut-cunning time, the second half of the season, that's where you really care the most. Right. And, and it's, for example, Russell Wilson in the first half of last year versus the second half, completely different statistically. So he might not have been a part of it, yet he might be someone who would make a lot of sense to be, you know, to be in the Pro Bowl after the fact because of how well he played in the second half of the season, especially when it mattered most. So I don't know that it would make sense to put the uh, a Pro Bowl there or – maybe one day a skills competition if you're going to base it off their performance. Um, so following this break, per se, around Christmas time, where you'd have this Pro Bowl or skills competition, she goes then game 12, 13, and 14, and then another bye, and then you'd finish with game 15, 16 around February 5th, mm-hmm. right, which is usually the time of the Super Bowl. And then you would enter into the playoffs, and the, and the Super Bowl would then end March 5th. So basically her points are this. Spreading out the season – would not hurt the viewership of the NFL because even though you wouldn't have as many teams playing on any given weekend, you still would have enough game to fill the time slots, and it would allow for players to recuperate. It would allow for players to uh, 
be able to understand the schemes and so forth. So, for example, if you do have an injury to a player, one, maybe he's able to come back in time for the playoffs or in time for the end of the season. Or two, if you've got a younger player, right, he's filling in for that guy, he's able to learn more and be better prepared so it's a better product on the field. So I think there's a lot of validity to that. Yeah. Um, my, only, my only thought right away is the NFL is at an all-time high, not only in viewership, not only in that amount of money and all that. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I, I don't necessarily know why they feel like they need to change this. And, and I don't know that it makes any more sense from an injury standpoint, because if you tear an ACL or Achilles or Liz Frank or a lot of the injuries people are sustaining, they're going to be out for the rest of the season anyways. Right. I mean, so I, maybe concussions, they have more time to come back. I mean, there's, there's like only a few injuries we're talking about. Concussions is a big one, though. It is a big one. But, but in the end, too, I think we're, we're starting to kind of realize that the concussions is not just a short-term but a long-term deal. I mean, there, there's only so much head trauma that you can take before the onsets of, of TBI and CTE set in. So I don't know that it helps you in that realm. I think, yeah, as far as rest during the season. But there's the other element of just if you expanded the roster – you'd be able to take down away from some of those hits. I mean, teams are implementing right now robots in practice. Well, I'll, I'll try to send a link to you, Bias, you can throw up on the uh, Twitter feed. But, I mean, Jeff, they now have these motorized bottoms to these tackling dummies that can move at a 4.6, speed. And they basically <laughs> can use them as, as tackling dummies like they're a running back or a wide receiver. That's awesome. An angle pursuit and stuff like that. They can stop, start, and move. I mean, they literally have just a guy with a, a remote control who removes them around. I think they're yeah. called like MVP dummy or something like that. But then they can even use them for pass rushers. So quarterbacks can move in the pocket. Or if they're running back, their defender's coming at them to tackle them. So they're, they're trying to make advances on limiting it in practice and that where it's still applicable to them improving their skills for the game. Let's go back. I, I think that's actually great. But let's go back to what you were talking about, the idea of the buy. I, I actually think there's validity in that. I mean, from, from a couple different standpoints – the first of which, the NFL is constantly looking at ways to try to extend the season, right? To try to extend the NFL year. So maybe that would make more sense for an 18-game schedule over a 16. That's the only way you can get to an 18-game schedule, in my opinion, is if you ha and, like you said, London, is if you have it multiple buys. Um, but here's the problem from the player's perspective. I'm playing more games, getting to pay the same amount of money. No, but that's a whole different bag. Yeah. Of so then, but then you got to take that back up with the, the next CBA. It's got to be. I don't think you get to 18 games until the next CBA. Yeah, but so. But and the other thing she mentions in the article was talking about how there'd be more marketing opportunities off the field, more time to do all that. Now, this is where she probably is a bit naive because she doesn't right. know that totally. that really doesn't make any sense because if you're in the season. You'd want to make sure that everything you're doing is in preparation for the games you're playing and all that because that's where your money's made. You, you make money off the field, but it's not like NBA money for marketing money for, for football players. It's good money. It's not like some – behind-the-face mask kind of stuff. 100%. 100%. And I, and I think for, for players, they'd rather do it in the offseason. And if you're talking about a commercial or a t, you know, being in a TV series, something like that, that stuff takes time. So it, it's not like you can devote an entire day during the course of season, even if it is a bye week. Because you're still expected to be up there and get treatment and workout and, and film and all that stuff, so I don't and I don't necessarily that makes any more sense just because there's more time or more bye weeks that all of a sudden they're going to be able to allocate more marketing time or they'll, they'll be mm -hmm. able to, um, you know, utilize the fact that it's during season to get them get a marketing deal that w that wouldn't matter quite as much. I mean, they're still going to get that in the off season as well, no doubt. And I also think I I disagree with the aspect of the skills competition, for instance, because the NFL and I'm not saying that they deserve to treat themselves. Uh, far more seriously than maybe Major League Baseball, the NBA, where they have that all-star break. The NFL will never use that time for a skills competition. The, the, they're just, it's a, the league is wired differently in terms of like the devotion to each game, the strategy involved. Like that's not a knock on the NBA or the or Major League. I don't even know if the NFL deserves to do that. They just never would put something like that in the middle of the season. They treat it way too seriously yeah. from week to week. Well, and, and even then, a Pro Bowl in the middle of the season? No, that's not going to happen. I mean, what happens if you got injured? No. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's where that's all of a sudden happen. it makes no sense whatsoever. No, no. Um, so, look, th there's definitely some positives and things you, I think you could take away. It's a smart take, though, actually. Yeah, I in particular, if it was an 18-game season. Uh, but I would say, as of right now, they've already kind of implemented a, a system where you kind of have two buys based on your, your normal buy that you're given that week off. But also, after a, a Thursday night game – Usually you have some extra time that next week, right. and then they won't really put you into a schedule where you would have to come back and play. You know, you don't play multiple Thursday night games or you know, an earlier game like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think they're they're working on it. and They're trying to find ways. This is one creative way, and I think there's there's some valid points. But 
in the end that some of the marketing stuff and all that off the field, I think, look, when the season's over with, and if the guys aren't in the playoffs, those guys are going to take advantage of whatever marketing opportunities they have, and they have more time technically in that offseason than they would otherwise. It sounds like the argument is a little diluted by too many uh, trying to find too many pros, but I do think that that's the way the NFL is going to have to start thinking if they're ever going to make it happen in London and if they're ever going to get to an 18-game season. Well, the other thing that to take into account, too, is, okay, let's say we – like, Biasi and I were having this discussion, and I don't play fantasy sports, so I don't necessarily know how that would work, but – he said, well, no, it'd be good because you'd still have the same viewership and all that, even though there wouldn't be as many games. And I, and I kind of feel like if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to watch the Oakland or maybe one day Las Vegas Raiders. Like, I don't care if it's on, maybe I watch, or if my fantasy team, I have a player in it. Certainly maybe. not going to be as invested but, as you would But be. I feel like most fantasy players, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, Biasi, because you play, I feel like I'd be checking my phone. I, I may be watching highlights. And we talked about it like we both both watched the red zone because you can see more. But mm-hmm. even that, that's not watching one particular game. And I feel like if all of a sudden, if for anyone who's watched the red zone, it gets really tough to watch when there's like the last game in that four o'clock hour and Scott Hansen's trying to fill time because one of their things is they don't like ever showing a commercial. So if it's the last game, I mean, usually it's close or they've got it on. It's a blowout, whatever it is. And, and, and they're just trying to basically get through the time until they're done with that day. Again, I think the the – I think the fan mentality on Sundays, uh, it, it does revolve around their team, right? Yeah. So they might watch, say, the, the it's a Miami fan, the Dolphins are playing at 4 o'clock. They'll watch those 1 o'clock games to kind of get themselves going. But I think if their team is off on that week, I think fans are far less prone to be as in touch with the NFL. They might go do yard work, go do other kind of projects on a Sunday. You, I don't know. You guys don't play fantasy football, clearly. No. Because I, I just think, like, the viewership of football has completely changed because fantasy football is so high and the red zone. I think people are glued to watching everything because they want to see how their players are doing because there's money involved. Yeah, but now you have less of that. Well, how many games are you talking about during the like, multiple you what, buys? You talking about like well, a- I mean, she had in her schedule like five buys. So, I mean, there's going to be five times where your team's not playing that particular week. And, I, and I'm not saying... No, but I mean, like, how many games in a given week is going on? Uh, I'd have to read back through the article for specifics. But, I mean, and, and, and we'd have to see this on a grander scale to understand how many teams would be playing, how many wouldn't be. But I would imagine it would cut it down by a, a few teams, you know, per week. I, I, look, I, I, I like the, uh, the mindset, though. I think that, again, I think the NFL is going to have to think in that direction if they're going to get to the point where they can do those things. By the way, Biasi, looking pretty sharp today with the black and white. You got the yeah. cool kicks on. Those My boy Nate Burleson shirt right here. I'm representing Nate. Oh, is that right? Yeah, a little lion, lion blood. Uh, lion That's blood. Nate Burleson's? Yeah. What, what I like Nate. deal with the name lion Nate's blood? I have dude. no idea. I never asked him, but it's like. Because, you know, the Nate's lions true. aren't the true a, king of the jungle. But he was it's a, actually he was elephants. a Detroit lion. Oh, well, maybe that's why. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty obvious uh, thought. I didn't uh, even think of that. That shirt's sweet, though. Thanks, man. Well, thanks, Nate. The logo's a little big, Nate. The logo's a little big on the sleeve for my actually, Well, that's Nate? just because Biasi's arms are so small. Yeah, no, if, he, if he had a bigger arms, it would actually probably look like more Like, I love the flag, the shirt. And anyway, uh, I could carry on all day. Uh, but is there anything else you want to hit on? Do you think we're well, it kind of ties into the whole – like a natural segue to be talking about NFL ratings up. One sport that Biasi and I were talking about yesterday, it's down is – I mean, look, the NHL postseason has been fantastic. There's been so many games they went to uh, another overtime. one last night, man. Yeah. Overtime. It's been unbelievable, but every year it is. But but the problem is like the viewership just it either can't compete with the NBA and the NFL, mm-hmm. and I, I was telling Biasi, I think part of that, at least to me, and, and the only the reason I I follow it now more is because I've got a brother-in-law who plays, and I always think to myself, you know, one of the best players or most important players on any hockey team is the goalie, and the problem is is you don't even know who these, these guys are. If they, if they walked in here right now, if the, if the Florida Panthers goalie walked into right now, Longo, is that how you pronounce Roberto it? Roberto Luongo. Luongo. Yeah. If he walked in right now, you wouldn't know mm-hmm. because they've got a mask on the entire time. So, like, the, his marketability isn't quite as there. He actually just streaked through. That was actually the guy. <laughs> that was who it was? <laughs> yeah, it was actually it was Luongo. Luongo. <laughs> I think he's the only goalie I wouldn't recognize. Anyone else, I have they, no idea. I know a Luongo oh, yeah, looks yeah, like. Oh, you know just, yeah, you know him. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you work around the yeah. Panthers a lot more and all that. But, anyways, so – so really, you're most important, and, and and maybe maybe not the most important, but but one of the top players on any team should be the most recognizable. When he's not. Well, so I feel like I feel like it doesn't it doesn't really relate to the viewership quite as well as it does for other sports. Where once that football player takes his helmet off, you see him. You don't see that quite as much with, with hockey players. Uh, right. who, who's the biggest name in the NHL? Jeremy um, Yager. Well, <laughs> well, it'd be Crosby yes. or I'd say Ovechkin, but Crosby because he's what about Wayne so the. 
No, so the last time uh, the Penguins were down here playing the Panthers, Crosby was at American Social. <laughs> and I wanna, he just happened to be there. Oh, uh, naturally. I, I would say probably like four people recognize him, and he's the biggest name in hockey. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it really is. What, I mean, yeah, what other sport? Now, now, granted, he's not in his hometown, right? So but maybe there's matter. Yeah, but the fourth biggest. Wait, Crosby is probably top two, right? You said Crosby and Ovechkin Crosby are probably, and Ovechkin the two are probably biggest top stars. two. T- top two in the NFL. Uh, Tom, Tom Brady, whoever, yeah, whoever, yeah. Uh, top ten in the NFL would be recognizable yeah. in a bar. Top ten NBA players would be recognizable in a bar. And the sad thing is, Crosby's like a. Oh, he's Canadian, actually. I was going to say baseball, he's American, though. But so anyway, no, I, I think baseball would too, though. I mean, because again, you see their face right. more. Like in hockey, and, and maybe this is this is to me. I think it's the way it's filmed, because you get so many more of those wide panel shots where you don't get as many cutaways to the bench and seeing them without their 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 helmet on. Right, because they keep them on for the most part. It's not like in football where they take them off, right. or in baseball you take off your hat or whatever else, right? So you you don't see that those same type of cutaways because you're really focused on the action the entire time. And it's probably the one sport too that, as far as viewership, it's hardest to watch on TV as opposed to in person. In person, it's literally next to football my favorite sport to watch. Mm-hmm. Like like I would much rather go see an NHL game over an NBA game in person any day of the week. I think it's just more exciting. The hitting, the everything. I mean, I mean, it's just it's just a better experience, and particularly even playoff hockey. But on television, it doesn't relate quite as much, or at least not as well as the NBA does, for whatever reason. I don't I don't know the explanation. I do think it has to do with more the regular season buildup doesn't exist as much. I, I don't know. I, the N, the NHL playoffs are unbelievable, and I think everybody recognizes that. But I don't think that people are invested enough when the NHL playoffs come around to really have a loyal viewership. I don't, I, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their struggle is, but I don't necessarily. I just think they lack in the Department of Human Emotion, right? When we see, for example, um, Steven Adams get kicked in the nuts by Draymond Green, we see both faces, both reactions, what that, what, what that looks like. You don't see that quite as much from hockey players where they're getting fights or whatever happens. And I, again, I think it's just the confines of the sport, the, the way it's filmed, mm-hmm. I think the way it's presented – you know, or broadcast it on television. I, th- I just think it's harder to see that on some of those emotions. Or may- maybe they're just tougher, so they don't really yeah. show any emotion. <laughs> maybe that's, that's more of it. All right, Brady. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Grind Podcast. And uh, we're getting there with Facebook Live. We made some strides today. What are you going to make the uh, hashtag? Oh, I, I got that one. Oh, you're excited about this one. Foxtail? Streaker! Streaker. Hashtag streaker. <laughs> He's sitting here watching us right now. Yeah, Luongo. I can't look at him the same. I'll tell you what, I went straight. I mean, I saw the whole deal. <laughs> Which I is weird, like your eyes deal. were attracted right oh, to the that. Whole deal, oh, hey, Brady. by the way, for those who watch Game of Thrones, there was, there was some male groin uh, nudity there in the last night. Yeah, well, I don't need Which to watch not, it. Yeah, I got the whole deal right in my that. face. <laughs> Although it was immediately followed up by a woman taking her top off. So yeah. they made up for it for those uh, Game of Thrones watches. Well, until next week, guys, this is the Grind Podcast.